This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. We're thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Stephen Smith. Dr. Smith serves as the Chief Scientific Officer at Advent Health. Advent Health has grown into one of the most successful and, and wonderful systems in the country. Thrilled to get a chance to visit Dr. Smith today about the Translational Research Institute. Talk about that. It's recently celebrated its 10-year anniversary. He's going to tell us a lot about himself and about that and, and, and what they're looking at going forward. Dr. Smith, can you take a moment, tell us about the role of Chief Scientific Officer and about the Translational Research Institute, which just celebrated its 10th year anniversary. Well, thanks, Scott. It's great to be here. And the Chief Scientific Officer role was created, uh, I guess, about eight or nine years ago as a means of really helping lead both strategy and operations and research across Advent Health. As you know, we're a large healthcare system with almost 50 campuses across 10 states. And so the organization of research was part of it, but also the strategies and driving really change in the kinds and, and quality and scope of the research that we do at Advent Health. So the Translational Research Institute was founded a little over 10 years ago now. And translational research is the, what some would call a bench to bedside and back approach. It's the ability to take uh, findings from the bench and bring them into the clinic. That's the probably most traditional definition of translational research. And that would be, for example, taking an animal study and saying, does it apply to humans or can we uh, really move from bench to bedside? What we've done with the Translational Research Institute is go the opposite direction. Uh, we study people, understand how the body is broken and, and try to learn how we can uh, fix it, how we can develop better diagnostics and therapeutics, and really work in the other direction. So we collect biospecimens, blood, DNA, uh, biopsies from different tissues, and we take them back to the bench. So this is really a bedside-to-bench approach, and it's very patient-centric and disease-centric. How do we understand what's going on with an individual using the most advanced technologies and then flip that back around to create a really cycle of learning where we can take what we learn at the bench back into the clinic and create that cycle. Thank you. Talk about a little bit about sort of, you've got this 54,000 square foot facility that focuses just on this. Can you take a moment on that and sort of bridging the gap between scientific discoveries and clinical care? Tell us a little bit more about that facility and then about how TRI, the Translational Research Institute, has tried to achieve its goals or what it's achieved over the last 10 years or so. Yeah, those are great questions. So the facility is really just the bedrock of how we conduct our research. Um, you know, as with anything else, else in healthcare, our research participants and patients want, to, want us to keep it simple. They don't want to have to go to three or four or five different buildings to participate in research. And so the building was really designed as a one-stop shop where we could bring advanced technologies, we can talk about that in a few minutes, uh, to a single location so that our research participants could walk in the front door and really within one building do everything that's needed for a clinical trial. So for example, we have a full-time research uh, magnetic resonance MRI machine in the building. We have other advanced technologies for studying metabolism and exercise and so on and so forth. So that was really the founding idea of why, why a building as opposed to gathering up uh, assets from across um, 
across the healthcare company. Um, the goals, what a great question, because if you don't know where you're going, uh, you don't know uh, where you are until you get there. And really we had two, we had two main goals. The first was to advance science. And that's really, you know, that's core to what we're trying to achieve. And we started out in metabolic diseases, uh, diabetes, obesity, have expanded into aging, um, Alzheimer's disease and uh, cancer actually as being adjacent to, to that work. And that was the first goal, really advanced science that leads to better uh, diagnostics and outcomes for the patients that we see every day in our hospital system. The second big idea was really to provide a foundation for advancing research in Advent Health. Uh, we are a large healthcare system and really the TRI brought new ways of thinking, new infrastructure, new administrative processes to really streamline and supplement the, the research that was already uh, ongoing. And the benefit of that is really not just to our consumers, to our patients, but it helps us attract the best and brightest physicians to our community. And that's really important, particularly in our quaternary care campus here in Orlando and, and, and also for some of our outlying research as well. If you want the best docs, many of them are, are eager to participate in research. It's part of who they are, it's part of the ecosystem, and it really helps us think differently about how we do our patient care, Scott. And I think from a healthcare system perspective, it's important for other healthcare system leaders to hear that and understand how, you know, how can research help um, help large uh, tertiary quaternary hospitals develop their physician staff. Thank you, Dr. Smith. It's been fun for me to watch Advent Health become sort of a leading research system, great clinical research system, talk about translational research. What are some of the core studies, the, the, the studies that you're particularly proud of that are ongoing now? Can you talk a little bit about where you're doing great research, groundbreaking research currently? Yeah, this is really exciting for us. You know, we um, we now have uh, a, a strong portfolio of NIH-funded research. We also do uh, industry-sponsored and collaborative research in that space. And I'll, I'll give you some examples. We're we're really excited about some of our recent reports about how the body um, regulates metabolism. We know that certain hormones can either increase or decrease energy burning, and we've had some significant papers in the last couple of years about how mice and people are different. So certain things work in mice and we've shown that sometimes they don't work in humans and vice versa. So we're excited about that work. Couple of ongoing studies also, uh, particularly in 23, which we'll get to in a minute, but it's some ongoing studies uh, also funded by the NIH. One that's called the Moonshot for Muscle and that study is called Motor Pack and uh, it's funded by the NIH. And the big idea here is that we, we know that exercise is good for health, but we don't know how that works. What are the molecular mechanisms? What hormones change? What metabolites change? And so we're part of this big multi-center trial funded by NIH where participants come to this building we talked about a few minutes ago uh, and exercise with the personal trainer. We collect all sorts of biospecimens like we were talking about, and then they go to laboratories all over the United States to really understand what happens to genes, how are they modified, what metabolites change. And this was 
Francis Collins big project that he initiated before he left the NIH and it's it's going along uh, great. Another one that we're really excited about recently, um, I mentioned earlier that we collect biospecimens like biopsies uh, from, from skeletal muscle. We take a little needle and take some muscle cells out. We can grow them in Petri dishes. And it turns out that we've learned over the last 20 years that muscle uh, metabolism that we see in a person right in front of us uh, and what we can measure in cells grown in the Petri dish are remarkably similar. And recently, uh, cells that were collected from the TRI uh, flew in space up to the uh, space station and experiments were done with those kind of samples to understand how the microgravity, the lack of gravity in space can, uh, can affect muscle function. And you go, what does that have to do with the healthcare system? Well, it turns out every day in our hospitals, we have people who have illnesses or surgeries that require them to be at bed rest where they're not moving their muscle. And that's very similar to what happens in space to astronauts. And so these kinds of fundamental learnings in the human condition is, we think, important for being able to provide better care for what happens in our hospitals every day. And in fact, we have other studies related to this where we're looking at how aging effects of muscle metabolism. So I think that gives you a little bit of idea about the areas uh, that we're working currently. And we'll talk in a minute about where we're headed in 2023 for this next decade of the TRI. No, thank you very much. And the, these studies of sort of muscle metabolism, muscle mass, and so forth in this concept of aging and all these studies that show that if you want to stay younger or stay healthier, at least, you know, stay theoretically healthier, some muscle mass is so important. Some exercise, not just cardio, but muscles is so important. And the study of this and why it slows down, why it helps on the aging and the mental brain aging as well, not just physical aging, so, so important to understand better. And metabolism, such a key factor for everybody in terms of all the, so many of the health ailments that, that we suffer from, whether diabetes, cardiovascular, so many other things are negatively impacted by how our metabolism slows and trying to figure those things out. So fascinating. Talk for one more moment about, and I think, you know, translational research is a term that's used so often, but so often by people that really know what it means. And of course, your help, mm -hmm. you helped me, and I'm sure our listeners better understand it. But, but talk for a moment again, you know, translational research, being able to take things from the the bench side to the bedside to translate things to clinical work, research findings and clinical work. Talk about why translational research is so important. And then Dr. Smith, do talk to us about some of the big goals for the coming year. Yeah, so it's really important. Um, I mentioned earlier, all these studies and we hear of these every day in the news, uh, either they're done in cells or they're done in mice or rats or, you know, they're done in settings that may or may not relate to the human condition, to you and me and the people that we take care of in healthcare systems. So it's critically important to be able to connect the dots and to be able to say, this is important to the people that we're caring for. Because if we just do science because we're doing science and it's cool and we can write a great paper, uh, we're not converting that knowledge into usable information for our patients. And I think that's why we're investing in translational research, and I think that's why there's a big push in this direction, is to really get these ideas into the clinic. And that's that, to me, is the prime definition of 
of, of translational research. Back to the, uh, the movement and exercise and being physically active. The other area we're investing in, just hired a team in uh, to work on, um, is around brain health. And we know that physical activity is so important to maintain uh, a healthy brain. We know that people who are not fit, who have metabolic diseases, who don't move, are at higher risk of developing Alzheimer's. And so we're looking at that from not only a prevention standpoint, but we now know the brain can is plastic, that it can change uh, with, uh, with physical activity and uh, healthy behavior. So that part also we find very uh, intriguing. I mean, you're really touching on so many things that of a generation that I'm at and where my parents are at, you know, there's so much interest in because you see like the elderly parents, you know, one suffering with some dementia, you, you see everybody at whatever age trying to figure out what do the next 20, 30 years look like physically, mentally, everything else. And there, there's the old concept that youth is wasted on the young. And, and I guess some of the people that are younger starting to think more about this stuff earlier uh, but for people in my age group, at least, these issues that you're talking about are, are so centric to, to everyday life and what one thinks about as they age and worry about you know, staying physically and mentally healthy and so forth. So it's really fascinating to me. And, and I have a much better understanding of the term translational research than I did. So talk about what's on the list. And, and what I love about it is this concept of basic research and applied research, and how do you take some of these basic research findings and actually apply them? And that sort of seems to be what translational research is all about. Talk for a moment about, yes, what are the big goals for this coming year? Where do you see some of the big goals for your TRI for this year? Yeah, so we're launching a couple of new initiatives. One I mentioned was on brain aging and really being able to integrate some of the knowledge we've gained over the last several years about uh, how physical activity and aging intersect, right? And how they can actually influence uh, brain structure, brain function, and brain atrophy that occurs if you don't actually exercise. And so uh, we're, we're very excited about bringing not only that component into uh, the Translational Research Institute, but also getting at some of the fundamentals. How does that work? And again, that's another piece of this translational that you get the bench to bedside, which is from you know preclinical models into the clinic, but also understanding how people are different, okay? So we know that some people can exercise and not have a beneficial effect, and others can exercise and have beneficial effects. So what separates those people and how can we make exercise training uh, better? Are there other things that we can tweak and tune so that people will respond to exercise? So that's a big push for us in 2023. The other area that we are excited about is our work in stem cell biology is advancing very quickly. Uh, now, these are not the embryonic stem cells that you may read about or think about, Scott, but these are the billions of adult stem cells that live in the body. And what we're doing is really, uh, again, through these methods I mentioned a while ago, where we take little biopsies and study the cells in the Petri dish, we're really understanding how these stem cells can determine risk for diseases like heart disease, um, obesity, even polycystic ovary disease is now connected with obesity and fat cells. And so uh, this last year, we produced exciting data on how adult stem cells in the fat uh, change with aging and can determine risk for disease. And next year, we're going to be advancing those on multiple different fronts uh, to better understand how these stem cells are programmed 
and how you can reprogram to, to improve health in these multiple different diseases, as I said, diabetes, heart disease, uh, et cetera. So that's another area that we're really excited about because this is exper these are experiments you can't do in mice. Um, mice are not built the same way when it comes to fat as humans. Uh, very unique um, and, and uh, only research that can be done in, in human biology. So um, those are two. I guess the other one, we continue to push really hard on type 1 and type 2 diabetes. These are still diseases of the modern era. And we know type 1 uh, diabetes, uh, uh, juvenile onset diabetes is is not restricted to children anymore. We know that adults can develop type one diabetes. And type two, as you know, is a big epidemic still here in the US. Uh, so there's a lot of work to be done there. And those, those are the things in 23 that we're really uh, juiced up about and ready to get the new year started. And, and let me ask you a question along those lines, along sort of like diabetes we know could be impacted by a mix of genetics and diets and so forth, metabolism and so on. What about it, any discussion on pancreatic cancer, which is quick, quickly growing in the United States? Any thoughts around that? Is that on the agenda at all there or, or more tangentially right now? Because that seems to be tremendous growth in pancreatic cancer as a, as a really challenging cancer. You know, and there are some thoughts that that's tied somewhat to metabolism and a lot of other things, too. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we have a team who's working on that. We, um, we harvest. Um, uh, fresh pancreas from people who've uh, passed from other illnesses and are studying that in the laboratory, we know that the, the islet cells that produce insulin in the pancreas um, are adjacent to and actually influencing the other cells in the pancreas that go on and, and develop uh, cancer. And there's a connection between how the stem cells uh, talk to each other, how they develop or don't develop along different pathways, and so that team is really the type part of the type one diabetes team I was talking about before, and that work is advancing. I think uh, very nice. The the ties into pancreatic cancer are beginning to be elucidated between um, metabolic and immune system uh, problems, and so those are those are intertwined. And we're really excited about having that group now, which is I think about uh, well, I don't know ten or eleven people really chugging away on that problem with with these. Um, cultured cells that we use in in the laboratory from people uh, again not studying cancer in mice but studying it in, in the samples from the people that we have here at our hospital system so we're excited about that and you bring up a really good point scott the interplay between obesity diabetes and other metabolic conditions in the development of cancer is clear in many places and we're working to elucidate those connections Dr. Smith, I always learn a lot speaking to you. I cannot tell you how thankful I am for both the work you do as Chief Scientific Officer at Evans Health and for joining us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thank you again for joining us. What a pleasure. Thank you very it's much. It's great to be with you. Thank you.